The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Hey guys, Adam here. I'm back on a solo mission to bring you a very special bonus episode. Speaking of which, I hope you enjoyed our coverage going back in time to San Diego Comic-Con 1992, the Wizard Special Edition number one. But if you'll recall, on episode nine, we were having such a fun discussion, we did not have time to talk action figures. And there was some very big action figure news going down in 1992. That's right, Toy Fair, which was actually taking place on February 15th, 1992 at the Javits Center in New York City that Michael was very familiar with and talking about how the New York Comic Con had been held there the last decade or so. But I wanted to talk to you about the amazing news that was being reported at that time because Brian Cunningham, our toy guru and wizard, had the opportunity to attend this event because since he was now part of the press and he was really amazed by the experience. But what was even more awesome was that he got to go to the Toy Biz area and check out what they were releasing that year. And get this, Toy Biz is launching 32 new figures in 1992. 20 are X-Men related and 10 are from the rest of the Marvel Universe. So this is pretty insane because if you'll recall, the Toy Biz Marvel superheroes line started in 1990 with just a handful of general Marvel characters. Then in 91, when X-Men is launching with Jim Lee, then all of a sudden it becomes an even bigger deal. And what's happening? Okay, we're having an X-Men line of figures to promote in that book. But now they're taking it to the next level. So, I mean, of all the figures included, there are three Wolverine figures and they're great looking. There was the standard blue and yellow, kind of his classic costume. There was a Wolverine 3 that was the new Jim Lee blue and yellow costume, kind of that standard X team look, and I don't know, wasn't that great if you ask me, but there was a Weapon X figure as well, and I definitely had that. Now, the other thing they mention is that the Iceman figure, he was already transparent when you put him in the freezer, blue icicles form on him. I had that figure. If that was a feature, I never even paid attention to that, because what I recall is they gave him this ice slide, and you could put him into the freezer if you poured some water in there, then ice would form around his feet. So he had like an ice cube on his feet he could slide on. I recall that being the action feature advertised, but maybe that's just something I figured out myself. Uh, Also in the mix here is a Magneto figure, which looks so much better than that original one with the removable helmet and the strange magnets. This one's just got the helmet molded to the figure, but it's got a great looking cape. It's got a really dramatic pose to it. Banshee. Yes, the Banshee with the whistling chest feature to do his sonic scream. They were also releasing the X-Force line of toys. I mean, X-Force was a huge book for them at the time. And so Cable was a figure that I had back in the day. He had a karate chopping right arm and a big mama of a gun. But it also says that he had a glow-in-the-dark eye, which is a feature I do not recall being advertised on the box. The other thing that was cool is that in this line, they had the first Deadpool figure, which obviously at the time he was a pretty new character in the universe. I don't think a lot of people knew much about him, but 
said he just came with a bunch of knives. That was his deal. The other character that I had uh, of the X-Force line was G.W. Bridge. And again, I don't know why I thought I needed to buy him. I'm sure he was on discount and I just got him cheap. But there were other heroes in the Marvel Universe, as they said, that were being brought to life here that released a full Fantastic Four lineup. And I had all of these figures. So they had Mr. Fantastic, they had The Thing, they had The Invisible Woman, and they had The Human Torch. Now, you might recall that as Stephen mentioned here, they report that The Invisible Woman, when placed in water, turns white to give the aura of invisibility. But that is not at all how the end figure came out. Instead, they basically just gave her this invisible platform. You know, it was just a translucent piece of plastic. And you would set her on it, and then you could flick the back, and it would make her jump off. I never understood how that related to her power set. So yeah, it was kind of a last minute change, I guess. Maybe their water reaction technology just wasn't working. Uh, Obviously, we've mentioned before that this super reflective Silver Surfer was a major improvement over the original. They also had two Spider-Man figures coming out in this line. The first one said it fires a glow-in-the-dark spider tracer. I always remember seeing this on the back of the box, but I never saw it in stores. I also don't remember it saying it was glow-in-the-dark, and it certainly doesn't look that way because it's red, but that was kind of a cool-looking figure at the time. The one I did have, though, was multi-jointed. It was the first super posable superhero action figure, and I still have it to this day. And in fact, I had another one that I used back in the day, and I painted it black and turned it into the symbiote costume, you know, so I painted the white spider on it and everything. So that was a favorite figure of mine for many reasons, so many memories behind it. And Deathlock was a part of this, and Brian was super excited about Deathlock because he says, his cyborg head flips back to reveal his brain. Not for weak-willed toy collectors, I tell ya. Also, he comes with a plasma pistol just for kicks. In addition to those figures, they also mentioned that Kenner was releasing a bunch more Batman figures, you know, in the Arctic style or Air Attack Batman or Deep Dive Batman, Laser Batman. I'm sure you remember all of those, right? Uh, They were kind of ridiculous at the time. It was that beginning of, hey, let's just give Batman some crazy outfits. But they also mentioned that there were the tie-in figures for Batman Returns. So there was the Catwoman that Michael's a huge fan of. There was the Penguin, which was just a repainted Kenner Superpowers Penguin that was red and black instead of the uh, blue and white and a little bit of yellow. Uh, And then, of course, the Tim Drake Robin figure, uh, which was a big deal. He also mentions there's a rumor that George Lucas is in the production stage of his new Star Wars movie and Kenner is signed on to do the figures. Well, that didn't really happen, but I believe they did start releasing the Power of the Force figures, so it was a little bit of a different situation, but we did get Star Wars toys eventually. Okay, so the other cool thing about this is that the Toying Around section started getting a letters page at this point, because people were writing in, and what's funny is initially people are basically just asking, do you know where I can find this figure? Do you know where I can find this figure? And I know in future issues that becomes an 
you know, a regular question. He's like, I, I don't really know. You should just check around. Um, but what I wanted to mention was one of the writers was a guy who was actually responsible for sculpting those Toy Biz Marvel superheroes action figures. And so I thought it'd be really fun to read his letter into the toying around section here because he provides some behind the scenes insight that you're just not going to get anywhere else. And I've always been fascinated by the people that get called in to participate in those types of products. So here's what he says. Dear Brian, just a few words of thanks. From time to time, I drop into the hobby shop toy store in Chinatown, New York. The guys at WAQ and company are really up on all the stuff you write about. I've grown to know them because I sculpt masters for toy companies. When I dropped by last night, they said, hey, your venom is in this magazine. Your effort was very kind, and I'd like you to know that it means a great deal to me. To give you some background history on this figure, last year at this time, I was rushing to complete some of the smaller action figures for Toy Biz, Thor, Iron Man, Green Goblin, and Mr. Fantastic, which was postponed. They were sculpted in seven and a half weeks. Believe me, this is too fast to do a good job. I've done G.I. Joe's for seven years, and Hasbro allows five weeks per figure. After these four figures were completed, Toy Biz requested a Venom figure. A few weeks later, I brought the smaller Venom figure into Toy Biz. Lou Schwartz and Rob Luff were in a meeting room with two large-scale figures on the table, Hulk and Spider-Man. I was not impressed with the sculpting, but I thought the size would be great for Venom. I told them what I thought. If I sculpt Venom in this scale, it will outsell any of these figures. Rob looked at the small Venom and said, he's right. They were also in need of an anti-hero figure as they had the Hulk, Spider-Man, and the Punisher. Three weeks later, they had the Master. I'm happy to say it was a hit at Toy Fairs. Unhappily, the line died in the toy stores and will be dropped. Venom was the only one that sold. I was PO'd. I really was pushing for a large-scale deathlock. Well, that's showbiz. Bill Merkeline, Flushing, New York. So that's pretty sweet. So he's referencing that in a previous issue, Brian had mentioned that the 10-inch Venom to him was just the ultimate figure. He thought it was fantastic, which is true. I actually saw that at RetroCon a few years ago, and I really wish I would have bought it. Because like I mentioned, I have like the full first phase collection of Venom figures from Toy Biz, and that is the one that I am missing, and it's pretty exciting expensive now on eBay. But what I also found was fascinating about this is that the reason I think uh, a lot of the Toy Biz figures end up not looking so great, at least in the early days of the lines, he had to sculpt four figures in seven and a half weeks. And as he said, it was too fast to do a good job. But he also mentioned, for all you G.I. Joe fans out there, he's been doing that for seven years and Hasbro gives them five weeks per figure, which really gives you an idea of how they get all those little details on them. But the other fascinating thing about this is, as he mentioned, they had this 10-inch line of these super-size figures, they were calling them. And they had the Spider-Man, they had the Hulk, they had the Punisher, but only as a mail-away figure and Venom. And like you said, Venom outsold anybody, and I believe it, because it's an amazing-looking sculpt on that, both the small one and the large one. But I think it's interesting that 
Up next could have been a 10-inch Deathlock, which, man, I mean, that was a fun figure. I had it back in the day, but I don't know that anybody was a fan of Deathlock. I think he was just cool looking. <laughs> so anyway, these are the things I love reading in Wizard. I love getting that behind-the-scenes look at how all of our favorite collectibles and toys and everything else are put together. So I hope you enjoyed this special short, but yeah, pretty awesome bonus episode looking at Toy Fair 92, and keep an eye out for episode 10. Man, do we have a lot to talk about there. So, until next time, keep your books packed and boarded. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.